Welcome to True House Stories. I am Lenny Fontana coming out of New York City. The only place in the world where you can get pizza at four o'clock in the morning. Or if, if somebody said to me, we went out clubbing and they were hungry at six at 5.30 and they want to go have Chinese food, we can go to Chinatown. You know what I'm saying, everybody? New York City. And today's a special broadcast on a Sunday with some amazing people. And we've all came together and we agreed that we would celebrate this man's life. I want to show his picture first before I bring everybody up. Michael Proctor. Michael Proctor's no longer with us, but some of the people that knew and loved him are. And also as far as work with him and of course, everything else. And I have actually his, his ex with us, who's one of my close friends, and she runs a fantastic show. And not only a show, but she does her Facebook group page called Babu's House. Babu's House. Of course, today's show is Michael Proctor's Celebration Life. And I was able to get some of the wonderful people, which I'm going to bring up right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you who they are. We have Babu. Hi, Lenny. Keith Kemper. Hey, Lenny. How are you? My boy, my man, DJ extraordinaire, Tony Carrasco, who is now in Italy live. Simulcast out of Italy. What's up, Tony? <laughs> Let's unmute you. Hey, Come and say hello. Go ahead, Tony. I'm sorry. Welcome, Tony. Thank you, bro. And of course, DJ Spen. I think he's frozen, but he's there. Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> in motion right now. This is what I call my multitasking. He's in motion too. Nuevo York. Yes. America. South, south part of America. Not South America. South. Baltimore. It's upcoming in New York. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for loaning your generous Sunday to everyone, the True House Stories fans. And of course, they're probably wondering why we're doing this show. And of course, let's start with, let me say hello and direct this right to Babu. Hi, Lenny. Hello, my dear. How are you, honey? You good? I'm and doing fine. Babu. Thank you. Thanks so, for having us. You're welcome. And I would do this every day if I could. But today's a special day. We're celebrating ex-Michael Proctor who you love and adore, and you both share a child, wonderful daughter. Yes. yes. First of all, we're in COVID era, coming kind of out of COVID. How are you handling everything in Switzerland? What's going on? Um, the, we're slowly opening up, um, but the clubs are still closed since one year. Uh, we don't allow no events, not even outdoor events. So music-wise and and and. And and um, DJ wise and club wise, it's totally down. Everything is shut down, and um, we had the street parade coming in in August, which is like the biggest house tech festival you can have, with like about one million people dancing on the street. Had to cancel it last year, and it looks like we're gonna cancel it again this year. It's just too risky. We just don't really want to risk anything because our government handles everything very well. We are safe and, you know, our numbers are really low, but they just don't want to open up too fast. So, and I'm still not at work, you know, like the, also the indoor things, everything is closed. But now next week they held a new press conference and we hope we open up in June. 
We okay. pray, we open up. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, let me give Babu, if you, if you spare me one second, I want to explain something about Babu. This is, I'm going to talk about like, you're not here. So listen to this carefully, Babu. I've never met someone more passionate about vocal house music than this woman. That's right. Believe when I tell you, they're right. the most passionate people that will be outspoken in dance music, will scream at you when she doesn't believe in it. She lets you know where you stand at all times. Oh, my God. But she's got a huge heart of gold. And I know that. And before Spem came into this picture, Babu came to me about this idea in her, in her mind that she wanted to try to execute. And so let me reenact the phone call, of course. As Babu called me, she said, Lenny, I found vocals. I said, vocals to what? She says, to Michael. Proctor? Just like that, she said, yes, we found this dad. And I have the vocals. Michael did this 20 years prior, 25 years ago. I went, I have an idea. My, I got this young DJ, Lomax. We're going to go in the studio. I said, you sure? says, I think I can do it. I says, I know you can do it. I remember sounding, I know what you can do it. So she says, I'm going to do it. I said, he says, can you do me one favor? I says, what? She says, can you look over me like a godfather in a sense? Can you, you know, if I come to you and ask you for advice? I said, yeah, 100%, anytime. Well, that was the worst thing I could have did because here we go. <laughs> here we go. That phone didn't stop ringing. Nanny, what you think? I want to check. It's okay. It's okay. Whatever you do, I'm happy. And I would, I would try to give her loving, guided advice. In a, in a sense, like an older brother speaking to her to his sister saying, don't do that. You know, this is a good idea. Take it under consideration because Bab was very headstrong. Those that know Babu, she makes a decision and Babu stands behind it. That's so now right. I'm gonna turn behind the camera. I'm going to turn over to Babu and she's going to tell you how she found these wonderful vocals and a little bit of the story of how this whole project came together. And this is a true, really true house story. But before that, Babu, can you explain a little about Michael, the vocalist, a, a little bit about his life, who he was, because this is what people want to know. You know? Yes. Um, Michael uh, um, was born in Peoria and um, he moved to Vegas in uh, 1979 and um, you know he started doing some little gigs and some performing vocals over there and over there um, then he but then he joined the, the group fifth dimension where he was a leasing and there were touring and cruise ships and all over and you know, he, he was um, he was uh, in that group for like about three years. Um, and then he was like, you know, I want to step up because he did a lot of jazz performance back then. He always he like, originally he really comes from jazz. Even over here in Switzerland, he was like, you know, I want to put a band together and I want to perform some live jazz. So we went to, you know, look for musicians and he, you know, they started rehearsing and new jazz gigs over here um, at the Blue Note and, you know, all kinds of areas and events that he performed. But then, you know, he started to to um, 
record house songs. And what a lot of people may not know about Michael, he was an amazing writer. Like all the lyrics, really all the lyrics, no matter what song it is, he wrote. Like he was really, he had so much, like I remember sometimes, you know, I woke up at night and I was like, where is he? And he was somewhere writing. And I said, I got some lyrics on my mind. So he was really an amazing writer. He wrote a book um, with poems and, you know, so that was like a big part of uh, his music is just because he always first had the lyrics and then he was like, okay, now I want to do a song, but he was really an amazing, amazing writer. And then he um, started collaborating with Brian Tappert, Sulfuric. And that's when, when it really started to hit with the, you know, love don't live and fall down, deliver me. And, you know, all these classics that people still play today. And um, I worked in a big club over here in Switzerland called The Jail. And um, I was responsible for all the DJ booking. I remember The Jail. Yes. The Jail. Big, big, big club. Like La Mac, um, huge like Mac club for people. Yes. Big club, big club. And uh, the reason why we named it Jail was because they had a really, like a real jail, like, you know, where people have to sit down their penalties and they had to rebuild it. So we took all the doors from the cells and everything and put it in there uh, as decoration. So that's why we called it the jail. Um, And I was responsible for the booking. And, um, you know, I, uh, they gave me total freedom. I could book whoever I wanted. And I said, okay, uh, this is time for some soulful house music. (laughs) You know, I'm going to turn this around in Zurich and, you know, I start booking Terry Hunter. Uh, Jesse Saunders was a a resident. Um, I had Colonel Abrams performing live in a duet with Michael, um, we had uh, Javer Morales. We had like all the, you know, even Spen. I booked Spen um, for a party, not in the club, but we made we made a, a tour, and um, you know, uh, Spen was on the flyer together with um, a few other DJs, but he couldn't make it. So that was like twenty five years ago, and I just found that flyer a few months ago, and I sent it to Spen. I said, "Did you do you remember?" Like you were even already back then on the flyer. So that's what we did. And, you know, we were really touring all over Switzerland. He started having gigs in Germany. He started to record songs with Musti in Germany. And then I brought in Tony Carrasco, which, you know, he's really family. I know he knows our daughter since since she's five. And, you know, he was a... um, um, a resident for us. Like whenever we had a show, he came to play because, you know, he used to live in Milan. That's like a three hours drive to Zurich. And also our dear friend, Tony Wilson. It's like my big brother watching over me now that Michaels is gone. Um, he came to perform for the first time in Switzerland ever. And people liked him so much from, you know, he's from a Death Crew production in Miami. And so, you know, we were doing all this, but a lot of people just don't know that Michael was really an amazing writer. Yeah. But the other thing about Michael was nobody sounded like him vocally. 
no one sounded like Michael in a sense. Like he had that old sound, like a Temptations voice, you know, like that kind of uh, Jimmy. Do you want me to tell you something? It's it, it sounds really funny. Tell like, me. First time I heard this voice, I was like, "There's something familiar with um." Damn, what's his name? I just forgot. Tom Jones. If you listen clearly, I was like, of course not, you know, but I was like, I hear something that, you know, it could, you sound a little bit like you have that strong power like Tom Jones. And that's, you know, that was the first time I heard him. And um, I was so, such a fan of his voice because I also know him from ballads and, 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 you know, singing jazz. And he also has a very smooth voice. It's not only powerful, like when he sings Love Don't Live, don't you know? So, pussycat, pussycat, oh, don't know. <laughs> so that's why I booked him, because I was like, you know, I absolutely adore his voice and he needs to perform. And so we booked him over to Zurich and he performed live at the club. And that's where it all started. But when he came out with that, I think the first song I remember hearing was Deliver Me in Dance Music, right? Yes. Deliver Me. Yeah. Deliver Me dropped. And everybody was like, what was this? What is this? You know, because you know, there's so many singers in, in, in dance music. But, you know, let's just say this. Like a Michael Watford or Teddy Pendergrass or any of those type of voices, they stand out immediately. And yeah, Mike, you can hear it from a million. Yeah. It's yeah. like instantaneous. You go, mm -hmm. wow, what's that? You know? Because he had the kind of voice that commanded respect. You know what I'm saying? Like he wasn't, he wasn't the kind of singer where you go, ah, he's all right. It's like, yo, Michael's singing. Everybody be quiet. Listen, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, this boy is letting us have it. He's giving it to us. Never forgot when I saw him at I, I think it was Winter Music Conference when he yeah in Miami yeah he performed many 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 moons ago and we were just like holy smoke this guy's incredible so now moving forward Babu as time goes on you book yes. him and you get to know him no I was in love with him <laughs> that's what's up I don't want to say that but okay. <laughs> So so let's go on. So the story starts to become the romance. Where's this romance taking us? You're the only one who could paint the picture, my dear. Tell us. Um, well, like I said, I booked him in that club and, you know, we had to, um, I had to, I was also, oh, I always took care about the, the artists when they flew in. I picked them up at the airport, made sure they got comfortable to the hotel. They have a nice room and all that. So I had to pick him up and uh, brought him to the hotel. He said he wanted to get some rest. And then I picked him up for the sound check. And um, he walked in. He was like, hi, love. I was done. That was it. You were like this. It, oh. it was just, I don't know. It was, I don't know. It was one word to you. He was like, hi, love. And the way he looked at me, it was, it, we were done. I like, we're, that was love at first sight. I swear. I really, I swear. And, um, yeah, so <laughs> he had the sound check and, um, you know, I brought him back to the hotel and I just, I was like, there was, there's something about him. I don't know. It just, 
my heart was pounding and I had, I, I don't know, it was, it's so, so hard to describe, but it was just, I was like, I need to see him again as soon as I can. Like so, now. <laughs> so what was the plan to send him back? To and America? so, you know, we went, um, we, he had the show and he was here for another two days. Um, and he's, he invited me for dinner. So we went out for dinner and we never separated from that day alone again. That was it. We were, we were a couple. We were in love. We were falling in love. Let's let me put it this way. I mean, you know, you got butterflies and, you know, but like really being in love, that's just something that grows with, you know, we work together and, and, and we had a child that's, you know, but we were really falling in love like big time. And then, um, you know, first it was a, a, a back and forth because he used to live in Vegas and I used to live here and I had my job here and he had these things there. But, you know, it, it couldn't go on like this because I, you know, I miss him too much and he missed me. And so he was like, it's easier for me to come over there. And, you know, because Europe is a great market also to perform. And so that's what he did. He sold all his stuff, gave up his apartment, filled a few things in storage and he flew over and he stayed here for four years. So he went from, he brought him to the club. Next thing you know, he goes home. Yes. A U-turn. Yes. It goes right back. Yes. So you do all his... Okay, so of course, you two consummate, get together. Child is born, beautiful daughter, I know. Um, are you taking care... Are now, besides being in love with him, are you also working with him to take care of his business too at that time? Well, I was his agent. I did all his bookings. Like wherever he performed, uh, you know, I called all the clubs up, send his, I uh, send out his package and, you know, try to get gigs. And we, we did really well. Like we were really touring all over Switzerland. He started get gigs in Italy and Germany, but you know, I was the one behind the scene. Like I really did all the contracts for him, the performing contracts, the performance rider. And I went to the shows with him to make sure, you know, we get paid and, 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 um, um, I took care about his wardrobe, make sure he got his tea with honey for his voice and just stuff like that. You know, that was really, we were a team. Like we walked together in the club and we went, we left the club together. And over here, I just did all the, the, you know, like I said, the contracts, the office stuff. And he was just home writing songs, going to the studio recording. And so we were like private and business wise. We were just, you know, like spending his beautiful wife. We did everything together. Right. So here's the question now. Was this after Urban Blues Project? Yes. Yes. This is yes, all yes. after Love Don't Live. Because he's having huge success now. He's having with Brian Tappert, Sulfuric. That was all after. Yeah. Brian Tappert, for those that don't know, that maybe a little younger or older, but we cap Brian Tappert, who is now the owner of so uh Track Source. Track Source. Yeah. He was the owner of Sulfuric Recordings and was part and a half of the partnership of um oh god urban blues project and also all those pseudonyms that they were producing on the you know he produced honor allen as well he used to join along with mark pomeroy and they helped to make this vegas style singer become a household house music name within minutes it was like we didn't know this man existed and it all of a sudden but Wham Bam, thank you, man. He's now one of the hottest vocalists. Because if I remember correctly, I think it was until AM Records signed him. That's when things really started blowing started. up. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? Like it just all of a sudden went from, you know, like you said, he was doing show dates. He was part of the group. And then he became this. Right. Okay. So of course, to every great marriage, you're handling the A&Ring, the management, you're doing what a woman would do who loves their man. And as well, trying to keep the business running. So you said four years he lived in Switzerland? Yes. Was he able to adjust to living in Europe full time? Or was there a difference? Um, it was funny when he first drove over here. <laughs> but, you know, it's, 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 of course, it's different. I mean, you know, you leave, you're on the other side of the world. And like in the beginning, I was all he had because all his friends are over in the States and his family's over in the States. And, you know, he had, um, he has another two daughters in the States from his first marriage. And, you know, that's not easy. But, you know, we were doing so good, but it, it took him some time to adjust. That's for sure. I mean, he's not speaking the language, though. That's, you know, that's the first thing. It's like, it's, it's, I mean, many people speak English over here, but it's still, it's not your language. So it was not easy. Not, not all the time. It was not easy all the time. Okay. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand. Okay. So then let's, who was the boss? <laughs> so now, of course, to every great moment, there's also a moment of things get tough. Rocky road. Okay. To every story, to every great band, you hear the same story. Yes. Start to get kind of, we're not, we're, I still love you, honey, but it's getting tough. We're not seeing eye to eye. So you're going to have to fill that picture a little bit before. Cause he came back to America. And I remember. Yeah. That. He moved back and I'm not going to get into why we, we, no, 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 no. you no. know, but he moved back and, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm stubborn, like you said before, and I'm hard hated and I didn't speak to him for like half a year, <laughs> but you know, he always, he was, when he was in Switzerland or when he came no, back, when he moved back, I said, I'm not going to talk to you no more, <laughs> but you know, he was a very, 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 very good father to, to our girl. Like he was always there for her. And, um, so we, we still connected because, you know, he called and he was like, I would like to talk. To Ya and you know Yamina is her name is Yamina he always called her Ya. And um then something happened with her we needed to discuss. And I just realized he's like my best friend. I just can't without him. And and we were really best friends ever since. Like there was not one week we didn't speak to each other for hours. Like, you know, there's you love many times in life, but there's only one soul that burns your heart forever. And that was him. He was my soulmate. So, you know, we were really till like the last day we were best friends and he was always um, connected with my daughter. He brought her when she did her bachelor in banking and financing. She was like really overwhelmed and he, he brought her through the whole thing. Like every time she called him and he calmed her down and took her um, to 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 have faith. And he, 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 he recorded a song for her called Get On Out There. That's actually, he he wrote that song for her. Like, get on out there and show me what you got. And that was for her, you know, bachelor that she did and all that. So he was, you know, he was really, it was just that little time that I was like, mm-mm. But, um, you know, after that, we were just, you know, I really, he's, yeah, he's just he's my baby. You know, he will always be my baby, always. 
Do you mind sharing with us how old he would have been this year? Um, he, he would have been um, 66. 66. Let me tell yeah. you something. I've never <clears throat> aged a day over 35. And I used to tell him that every time. <laughs> Fabuloso. And I'm going to say it truthfully. I'm Puerto Rican. Black don't crack. And that I is. I know. I know. He looked fabuloso. I used to tell him every time I saw him, I said, dude, you, you look like you're ready. Like you're in the same. Like when I met you, it's like time never stopped. And of course. He was a very classy man. Like he was very, uh, the way he dressed was very elegant. Let me tell you something. Tell me, Mabel. He even ironed his underwear. And tissue yes. and, and also his lapel. His, they would look I out. say you can That's iron that stuff yourself. Yes. I'm not gonna iron your, but you know, that how he was. He was like everything needed to be like this, and he was very, you know, he always needed to dress nice. That was just him. He had to, he just really had a lot of class and a lot of style. That was so, him. when you are in your underwear, that is <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know anybody these days no. that no. I don't know, but I mean, that's the old generation would do that. Yes. All the time. Wow. So him, that was him. Yeah. So, so we look, we, we did, he has some eyes to health issues, of course, in the end, this is, you know, there was a lot of things going on. Um, can you officially tell everyone when he did pass? <clears throat> well, um, uh, he, was rushed into the hospital on Christmas, um, 2019. And, um, it was really like about life and death. Um, I'm not going to in get into what it was. Um, and you know, it, it, it was really like, we were, we were, I was like uh, for about two weeks, we didn't know if he will make it. But somehow he recovered a little bit and they moved him to rehab um, the second week in January. No, the third week in January, they moved him to rehab. And, you know, we knew it will take a long time for him to really recover, but we were really positive. And um, on our granddaughter's birthday, like she's eight, Kimora. Um, we received a phone call that he passed. That was uh, January 23rd, 2020, last year. So that's basically be right before COVID hit. Right before COVID hit. Yeah. So it's over here before. in February. Yeah. I remember I got the phone call from you when it happened. And of course, we, you know, it's never an easy moment. We all felt no. terrible. No. Horrible. Horrible to have to hear that news. Yeah. But it was. It was unexpected because we really thought he's going to recover. That right. was, you know, that made it even worse because we were so, like, I even, I was able to talk to him on the phone and, you know, he, he sounded weak, but, you know, I thought, you know, it's going to be okay. It just needs time. And so it was kind of unexpected and that was really hard. You know, it was like, especially like, I don't even, you don't even want to know how my daughter, she was, oh, wow. That was, look, look, look. You know, that was, it was so hard on her. It was really hard. Never, you parent. Never. Yeah. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Everybody who's dealt with that knows that's. Yeah. 
don't replace people. You just, and being that her father is a different relationship yeah. than you as him being your your partner and husband. And right, that. right, right. Yeah. But he left he left behind a huge legacy. I mean, his voice is heard all the time. <laughs> yes, he did. And you know, that's the whole thing about everything. Also, this project now, like sometimes it's mixed emotions. Sometimes I'm having a hard time listening to his voice because it hurts. Because I know he's not here no more. But then sometimes I'm just really thankful that I'm still able to hear his voice. And you know, like my daughter, she still, she can't, like she, she, she can't listen to songs and she's just not ready. But for me, it's different, you know? And, um, when we started this project, it was in the beginning, it was really hard for me just to listen to these acapella vocals and over and over and again, every time we did something in the studio over and over again, it was like, wow, that's tough, but also helpful. It's just both, you know, it balances it out. Okay. So. So we're now to everybody in, in the electronic dance music community that's tuned in. Where did these vocals come from? Because we never heard this song before. Like No, where- they've never been released. Um, okay. Michael okay. had a good friend over here in Switzerland, Joe Calabro, Calabro from World New Vision. And he's a producer. And, you know, they, they hooked up. And, you know, sometimes uh, Michael... I went to the studio and they started recording stuff and, you know, and um, that night he, he was, went to the studio and, you know, I was, he said, I'm going to be late because I got so many, many things on my mind that I just want to drop and I want to record. And that's, you know, whenever he got up at three in the morning and he left, that's what, who he was. And so um, I called him like at five in the morning. I said, baby, are you Okay. Because, you know, it's like, he said, yeah, I'm just at the studio. I just had something on my mind and I recorded it, but I'm, I'm, I'll be soon. And that's these vocals. Okay. He just went into the booth and he just, rec- he didn't even write the lyrics down. So he just recorded these vocals. What year, what year was that about that he did? That? Um, 1997. Wow. Yes. Wow. So, you know, there were just, that was just something he did for himself and, you know, just a little jam session, you can say. And I found these vocals. Okay. And they were like pure a cappella. So I'm like, okay, now, you know, there's, a, a, that's the only unreleased song that we can bring out. And I just want to do something after he passed because, you know, I want to keep his legacy up. And so I said, since it's, you know, we have these vocals, why don't we do a song? Right. 